celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. I got to turn on this button right here. (laughs) Welcome to Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with your pets. If you're brand new, to my left is Judy. She's answering the calls uh, at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, straightforward is Doctor Debbie answering really just any of your veterinary questions that you might have about your pets. And she, and we're not just talking dogs or cats. She knows fish. She knows birds. You're pretty well versed. She lives in Vegas, which means that, and this is where she practices. So there's a lot of weird animals in Vegas, as you may know. She, she takes. <laughs> I'm care. glad you didn't you, you confine that to weird animals and not say anything about the people in Las Vegas because we're an awesome group of people. You are an awesome group of people. Weird, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, Joey today. He's walking in, and uh, he'll be here in just a couple of seconds. He, his hair looks a little extra greasy today. For some reason, don't tell oh, him don't I said it. Don't, yeah, don't I'm use sorry. that word. You know, he puts product in his hair, and he he does his nails, and he does he has uh, exfoliates, exfoliates his, skin. his face and his yes. skin. He has a more rigorous beauty routine than all three of the women sitting here. Yeah, I, I, I bet he has <laughs> more. I bet he has more product than any the, the three mm-hmm. of us put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's answering your grooming questions. Also at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Now on today's show, Judy has booked Gideon Kid. Who's Gideon Kid? You may remember Gideon Kid, the little boy, nine years old, who's petting as many dogs as he can. He's going around, I believe it's somewhere in Iowa, and he's petting all the dogs there, and he's getting pictures taken, and he's putting them up on his Twitter page, which I understand has a lot of followers right now. And he has a website called I've Pet That Dog, and we're going to talk to him. I understand he's uh, very smart. He's nine going on 25. <laughs> from what he's I got a lot of wisdom. He's a dog lover. Yeah, of well, of course. Yeah. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Also today, Bill Ketzer, he's the senior director of ASPCA Government Relations. And why are we having him on? To talk about this pet leasing trend, where you go ah. to the pet stores and you lease a pet. The people that loan the money to you, they own the pet. Because pets are property, unfortunately, in the eyes of the law. And they can re- repossess that pet if you don't make a payment. Jeez. It's crazy. It, yeah, is. it is crazy. They're trying to outlaw it across the country. It has actually been banned in some places, I understand, but not in enough places. And so he's wow. going to tell us all about it coming up uh, about 40 minutes from now. And at the bottom of the hour, we have your pet news for you. Lori Brooks, what are you working on? Mm-hmm. There is now an exotic pet, as we were talking about a little while ago, um, an exotic pet that is actually more common. There is more of this one exotic pet in the United States than there are left out in the wild. I'm thinking it's weird. a bird of some sort. That's uh, uh, maybe. Never know. People keep weird now, animals. <laughs> yeah. There they do. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your office, Dr. Debbie? Um, we're not talking yeah, about you know, people. Well, I've seen a lot of weird things there, too. I mean, I don't know. We see things, you know, we see a lot of huge pigs in my office. Um, There's some things that don't make it into the office. We we do see capybaras. Um, You know, those are like the giant uh, guinea pigs that kind of look like a cross between a guinea pig and a potbelly pig. (laughs) Um, So we see those. But, you know, there's some things that can't make it in. So we have some uh, clients that have ostriches that we have to do house calls on. 
regular goats, llamas like that, which don't seem that unique. But, you know, when you're in Las Vegas and someone's living in a residential area and they have a, you know, goat or a llama, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of odd. It is. What's it like to pet an ostrich? You know, I have not pet that that bird myself uh but you know there, there's ways to handle them that are you know safely so that um you know you can do that without getting injured <laughs> but it's a bird it feels like a bird i think it's like a dog you don't want to just go up and put your hand right out there because you might lose it because uh, there's actually an ostrich farm we've been to it in solving yeah, in solving and they let you feed them but if you up. get your hand too close they'll eat your hand yeah they peck real hard and fast to get that food out of your tray <laughs> be careful with your ostriches please also, we're going to be talking about managing leash aggression. Well, what is leash mm. aggression? For your dogs that uh, lunge when another dog passes by on a walk, that's called leash aggression. And mm-hmm. sometimes these dogs aren't aggressive when they're off the leash. I don't understand the connection. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a connection to you. That's just the kind of the, the simple thing. It's the leash is connecting from you to the dog. Mm. So, Well, we'll have tips coming up in just a few minutes how to manage leash aggression. But first, your calls, one 405 8405 Well, hi, Mary. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, San Luis Obispo on the Central Coast, California. Right between L.A. and San Francisco, right? Absolutely. Uh huh. So how can we help you today? Well, I have a seven-year-old indoor, uh, mostly Siamese cat. Um, I got her when she was about two years old. She's rather a quiet animal. Um, she doesn't. Get, do a lot of exercise, and she doesn't. Uh, she does a lot of sleeping and stuff like that. But she seems to have some kind of dandruff on her her body, and I, I, she's not the kind of cat you can just whip into the the vet because she's she gets absolutely freaks out when you try to put her in the cage. Mm, so okay. I had a, a friend uh, who's retired who was a vet. She did give me some something to put on her but it it was very goopy and what have you and she just was having a fit to even have it on her so i was wondering if there was anything else i could do i've tried a couple of different foods to see if that helped but um she won't eat anything else she's very very fussy and if i don't give her the right thing she'll just absolutely won't eat period (laughs) okay all right and then is she itchy or scratchy with the the dandruff not at all. I brush her, and uh, but it's right, you know, uh, you can see on the top of her hair sometimes. It must kind of flake off and go up a little bit, you know. When mm-hmm. I brush her, it comes out. I get quite a lot on the, the comb, but um, no, it doesn't, doesn't seem to bother her at all. Uh, she's not a real uh, fussy cat about cleaning herself or, or anything, but she looks good because I, I do brush her, you know. Well, it, you know, some of when we see can- dandruff in kitty cats, it's um, it, we look at medical causes of that, nutritional causes, um, as well as things like parasitic causes. So um, a lot of these are going to be very challenging for me to tell you the right path that you need to go because it is important to have a veterinarian to evaluate her and look at her. Uh-huh. Um, so it is really important at some means to get someone to look at her so we can help to decide is this something that we need to do something more of a medical approach to versus just trying some different topicals. Um, things things like hypothyroidism and underactive thyroid are pretty uncommon in cats, very common in dogs for a cause of dryness in their skin, uh-huh. hair loss, and kind of being well, lethargic and lazy. Before, uh, for two years, I, I, I kept in touch with her, and she said she's always been 
that kind of cat. She's never been a very active cat. Yeah. Well, um, so, you know, I think that's the first thing is that, you know, to, to really give you some meaningful advice, I would say we do need to have her at least looked at. Okay. The things that we can try that are non-prescription that can help sometimes with dry skin in cats involve restoring the the normal lipid barrier in the skin. So this is where it gets a little technical, and that's why I do like to have a veterinarian involved, because it's more than just putting oils on the top of the skin. There are dogs and cats that have a defective skin barrier, and that's where allergies come into play. Uh-huh. So when we have a pet that's itching and scratching, they don't have a real healthy skin barrier, just as in pets that have dry skin. It's the same kind of thing. They don't have that normal skin barrier. So what we do is to help supplement that. And there's different ways with different fatty acids, but the thing that I'm a real fan of topically um, is an ingredient called a ceramide, C-E-R-A-M-I-D-E. And it's an important part of the fat layer in the skin. And there's different products um, that we can use as a supplement topically that can really help that kind of integrity of the barrier of the skin. Um, Now, these are all veterinary products that I'm familiar with and I've had great success with. My dog is on Dermascent, which is a little topical vial. It's also got some uh, essential oils and I think it's, I call it my dog's perfume, his cologne. (laughs) But it really helps to keep that hair coat in a, um, the health of the skin and the hair coat in a good good place. There's other products. There's one called Duxo, D-U-O-X-O, which is another topical that helps by restoring some of the precursors to that fatty layer in the skin. And those can be... You know, I don't know. Um, because they are um, more of a, a veterinary-driven recommendation, we use this with some pets with seborrhea, um, as well as some other types of inflammatory yeah. problems. Well, but it's something we can, it's something, it, it's something we can use once a week to help a pet and then taper down to, you know, every couple weeks. So, and so that would be something that we can do that's kind of hands-off if you're not a real big fan on, you know, giving her medications and so forth. But one thing you've already mentioned, Mary, that's a huge thing is grooming. And some cats that don't groom really well, they're not distributing their natural oils. So for me, that's where I get involved with a physical exam because sometimes I I find it could be that we have bad teeth that cause a cat to not want to groom, or they could have arthritis that causes them not to want to turn around and groom. So there can be some other things that we look at. But in the meantime, you know, certainly, you know, keep up with your brushing um, because that will help to serve some of that to distribute the oils and try to get the, you know, the loose hair out of there. that sounds like a try. Well, thank you so much. I do brush her, and I keep keep doing that, you know, so... And I will try to get a, I'll have to have somebody help me because she's a, she's heavy and she's hard <laughs> to get into the cage. She just absolutely does not want to do that. Yeah. You know what? Oh. There, there are mobile vets that will come out there and I actually know of some in San Luis Obispo. And if you want to hold on, I'll give you a, give you a number. I, I have, I have some of the numbers of that. So <laughs> I could give her a call again and see if maybe she'll come in and have a little look at her. That'd be great. Mary, good luck with that. Keep us posted and thanks for listening to Animal Radio. Okay, thank you. It's a good show. I love it. Thank you. I, I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> Toll-free 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds makes physical, non-electric, do-it-yourself dog fence kits. Not electric fences. And they offer professional installation and services nationwide. Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com. And thanks, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you, 
stay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under our fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com. Use code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. I am so excited. In just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Gideon Kidd, who is a nine-year-old kid who pets dogs. What's so big about that? Well, he's going around his entire city petting dogs and taking pictures of each dog that he pets. Well, he could end up in the Guinness Book of World Records. Or he could end up in the hospital. He could. <laughs> I wonder if he's ever been bitten. We'll have yeah. to ask him about that. And if he's, how does he know if he's, he's, he's already pet one dog? Yeah, after petting that many, how would you know? Would yeah. you recognize it? It says here on his uh, bio, his uh, CV... <laughs> that he's pet 340 dogs so far, which is a lot of dogs. And he has some pretty big aspirations for his goals. Well, I'm sure he's done more than that number by now. We'll have to ask him. Yeah, he'll have to update the CV there. Yeah. So he's on the way in just a few minutes. We're also going to talk to Bill Ketzer, the senior director of ASPCA Government Relations, about this whole pet leasing shenanigans going on. Lori, what are you working on for the bottom of this hour? Oh, I got a real happy story for you. Good. A pit bull puppy now being called a hero, and she's only four months old. You don't hear that a lot about pit bulls. No, you don't. Okay. And but... not about puppies either. Yeah. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to you first. one 405 8405 Well, hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing good, and you? Very good. I have the whole dream team here at your beck and call. Oh, I appreciate that. I've got a question about Dynavite, and if there's any other supplement that would uh, take the place of it. Um, I, I had a dog that was 18 years old, and uh, five years prior to her passing, we put her on Dynavite. She had uh, gross tumors that uh, actually expelled herself uh, after we got her on Dynavite about six months uh, afterwards, and, and the vet was totally amazed with that and surprised that she lived as long as she did. But uh, we're grateful with that. But I've got a Situ, and then I've got a mixed Beagle hound dog. And uh, the Beagle is approximately 14 years old, and she's having arthritic problems with her joints and stuff. And we got her on glucosamine right now. And uh, is there anything else I can do for her to help alleviate her joint problems? Well, potentially, and there's a, there's a lot that we can do for pets that have arthritis or what we're presuming to have arthritis, and glucosamine is probably the most popular thing that we look at as a supplement form, and just like people who take glucosamine, it helps to kind of restore the building blocks of cartilage and joint fluids, so that that's a very good thing for a pet that has arthritis, and I like to give that to dogs that have 
chronic arthritis uh, that are recovering from an orthopedic injury. So I think that's a very sound thing. As far as other supplements, um, some people give um, omega fatty acids um, for the benefits of joint help as well. And that can be very useful. So, you know, things like Dynavite have some fatty acids. So, um, you know, I can't tell you as far as what other products I would use maybe there, but uh, I think a good fatty acid product is uh, definitely something I'd look at. Maybe and then, a fish oil? Yeah, basically like a fish oil. And okay. as far as other things that we look at, you know, we have to decide at what point do just natural things help and what point do we need to look at giving getting the pet on something more definitive to help pain. And not that I'm against supplements. I believe in them. I use them. But I like to make sure that we're being very um, abreast of what's the most important thing that this pet will need. And if a pet needs a pain reliever, I believe in giving a pain reliever. So that might be something else that we can look at in an older pet. So if she's not already on some kind of non-steroidal pain medicine, then, you know, talk to your veterinarian because I would really look at that as well to use in conjunction with some of the supplements that can be helpful. And then probably the most overlooked thing when we talk about pets and arthritis is keeping them from getting fat <laughs> and that's a very real thing that can help and so many times we can take pets off of medications that are suffering with pain if we can get them slimmed down to that of a healthy weight pet so that is always on my prescription pad for pets when we're dealing with arthritis if they're on the portly side we cut back on the rations and we do non-weight bearing activity like swimming um, or even just low-grade walking just to help uh, burn some calories there so those are some of the things I'd probably look at trying. And, uh, you know, I don't know what other kind of health issues your pet has because supplements are kind of always one of those things that it's an individual thing. I don't really give a blanket recommendation for what every pet might need. I was thinking maybe a baby aspirin a day to uh, Manazza. No. The no. No. Okay. Yeah. There's so many better things out now than aspirin. Aspirin is a wonder drug, but there are much more specific and selective pain remedies for dogs that can spare some of the side effects. And the bad thing with aspirin with pets is that it can cause stomach ulcers, it can cause kidney-related problems, and we're not effectively treating the pain as best we can when we have some of these other side effects. So um, there's a lot of medications out there. The newer ones um, are more selective for different what we call Cox selection. Um, and I love some of the different products in use in my clinic, uh, Prevacox, uh, Rimadil, Medicam, Jeramex. There's tons. So I would talk to your veterinarian on what might be the best call for your pet and any other pre-existing conditions. But those kind of things far outweigh um, the safety margins of giving an aspirin or even, heaven forbid, something like a Tylenol, which has such a narrow uh, toxic uh, dose for pets that we try to just stay away from it. Boy, Kevin, you should have seen when you said aspirin. Her eyes, I'd never seen her eyes get so big there. You know what? I, I got a shockwave through the radio or through the phone here, so I understand that. I, I really appreciate the feedback on that, man. Uh, it's been nice talking Thank with you. you and Thanks for listening to Animal Radio. We appreciate your time. 1-866-405-8405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team. Calm down. Calm down. Hey. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the fine folks at Brilliant Pad. Proud to support the animal shelter and rescue community. The Brilliant Pad Shelter Program donates products for fundraisers and for use by shelters and foster families. In fact, adopting families can get a free Brilliant Pad system. Their website's brilliantpad.com slash shelters. And thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio.
All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. Ever notice how some places use fancy words just to make things more expensive? Like calling anything handmade craft or using aioli when they just mean mayonnaise. Well, at Motel 6, expensive words aren't really our thing. Our thing is clean, comfortable rooms at a great low price. So you can get a good night's sleep that leaves you feeling as fresh as that massage kale salad. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6 and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. There may be more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are wild ones in all of the rest of the world. However, we're not positive about this, but close, because in states like Texas, no one really knows how many tigers are being kept as pets there. They have very lax uh, exotic pet laws there. So as many as 7,000 tigers still are living in the U.S., but that's either in zoos or as exotic pets. But that is a, a figure that is nearly double the estimated 3,900 tigers that are still lucky enough to live in the wild around the world. So now, does this mean that pet tigers are also endangered tigers? Uh, no. And that's a flat no. And that's because exotic pets are not covered by the Endangered Species Act because the act only applies to animals that are taken from the wild. And most pet tigers actually come from U.S. breeders who have really? bred them in captivity. Yeah. And so they are still considered pets. It's actually up to the state to deal with these because they're considered pets. The Endangered Species Act is actually federal legislation. And this report is from the BBC, by the way, which noted the majority of tigers in the U.S. do come from breeders with the intent. They're breeding these tigers with the purpose of producing tiger cubs, cute little fuzzy baby tigers for the petting industry that are used in, you know, roadside petting zoos and, you know, parties and big events and things like that. That just amazes me. That, I that, know. What a loophole. It's like that big giant ring of fire that tigers used to jump through at the circuses. Uh-huh. It might soon be difficult to have a pet if you are not, and this, this might be you too because it's me, if you're not tech savvy. This according to a new report from the Consumer Technology Association because they asked pet parents what tech devices they are most likely to buy in the upcoming year, 12 months. The most popular answers were interactive pet toys, automated feeders, grooming devices, and GPS trackers, of course. But safety and peace of mind are actually the biggest drivers of future pet tech purchases. And uh, it's not all about dogs because that's kind of maybe because I'm a dog person, I had that in my head. But of all of those people who own pet tech devices that they talk to, 45% of cat owners use their pet tech device at least once a day, compared to only 35% of those who have dogs. However, both cat and dog owners say that they are willing to use tech to address their furry child's issues. 35% of dog owners say 
Training is their biggest issue that pet tech should solve in the near future. And for those of you who have cats, they say monitoring their pet's nutrition is their biggest priority. Finally, a pit bull puppy in Northern California is being called a hero. And God, is she cute. Sasha the puppy is only four months old, and she and her baby skin sister were born only a few days apart, so they're pretty tight. Now that bond is even a lot stronger after Sasha the puppy alerted the family to a fire that was happening at the neighbor's house and was spreading fast to her own home. The puppy ran inside, darted back the hall, ran into the bedroom and got the baby off of the bed by her diaper, dragged her off the bed by her diaper before the mother had even arrived in the room. Wow. Amazing. It's four months old. Pretty smart puppy, huh? Uh-huh. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. I don't mean to be rude, Lori, but... There's something coming from your your studio. There's like a smell or something. Did you put something in your trash can? Maybe. Um, well, I have Patty with me today. Patty's my, my new foster bulldog. Okay. She has what we thought was some kind of impacted anal glands or something. I yeah. mean, where this area just, I mean, where it's just leaking what smells like anal fluid. And now that she's seen a vet, the vet seems to think that that could be a part of it, too. But what's mostly causing the problem is a pretty severe infection. Uh, she might have to have part of her, you know, bulldogs don't really have tails, but what part is there uh, might have to be amputated this oh, Friday. Okay. So. Yeah. It's kind of with her, like, a little bit of a corkscrew tail. The, yep. the tail exactly. itself, the bones actually push the tail into the skin so kind of the fat of the butt area so it kind of pushes the bone deep so it's really hard you can't just like a normal dog lift up their tail and clean underneath it it's embedded in there so there's like a this little virtual pocket where you know just moisture builds up and it's kind of like the stinkiest of ear infections that you could ever get Mm -hmm. and it's really itchy and painful so yeah it it becomes a necessary thing it's not just like a aesthetic thing it becomes um, important for their health to amputate that part of the tail Okay. Well, we wish Patty the best on that. Please keep us up to date on that. Uh, Of course, you always adopt and foster, and uh, you never buy a pet. And we encourage you here at Animal Radio to never, ever buy a pet. The most we would ever ask is that you pay adoption fees from a shelter or a humane society near you. You know, I'm involved with one bulldog rescue, and, and, and now I've actually just taken on a second one. I'm working with a friend who is fostering for another bulldog rescue, and it's all three of these rescues together to get one dog a home. And yeah, and it's one breed. So if you're looking for a specific breed, don't tell me I'm going to buy a pet because I want a specific breed. I don't want a mutt. There are breed rescues all over the country. There's no reason. Right. You should buy a pet. And plus, at the shelters, they have breeds, purebreds. Sure, absolutely. And then there's this new trend. This is really disturbing me. It's pet leasing. So you walk into the store, the pet store, you see that cute little puppy in the window, and you want that. And you say, well, you know, Animal Radio said I shouldn't buy that. But damn, that puppy is so adorable, so cute. But so expensive. But yeah, so expensive. 
I can't afford it. And then the salesman comes over to you and says, I can make this dog affordable for you. We can lease this pet to you for low monthly payments. Not really discussing the bubble balloon payoff at the end. Unfortunately, animals are treated as property in the eyes of the law and the government. So if you lease a pet and you miss a payment, they could repossess that pet. Now, for us, it's a family member, but for them, it's just collateral. It's very disturbing, and there's great legislation across the country to change that. We're talking with Bill Ketzer. He's the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations for the Northeast Region. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and talking about this issue. How new is this? Because I don't remember as a kid the ability to lease an animal. Right. Um, we became aware of it a couple of years ago. Initially, uh, we worked with the State Department of Agriculture and Markets to try to figure out through their animal inspectors who regulate many of these entities just how prevalent it was. Um, and at the time, it didn't seem like it was going to be something that was going to catch on. Uh, but boy, um, it certainly has. It certainly has caught on. Um, we we found out over you know again through working with that agency. But then also seeing some of the work of uh, uh, the uh, the attorney general here in New York State, we're starting to figure out just how you know prevalent the practice is. Um, there's one local chain um, who was as on record as saying that over 30 percent of their annual sales are from leasing agreements. Oh. Um, so it sits, as you said, it, it's a practice that kind of lures, capitalizes on the emotional connection people feel towards um, you know a, a puppy to kind of lure them in and say, I can make this affordable for you, $50. $50. You can walk out of this store today, $50 down, $50 a month, uh, you know, low monthly payments. And a lot of people don't even know they're entering a leasing agreement. They think it's traditional financing. You know, they think they walk out of that store and they, they own that animal free and clear. So, of course, whatever happens after that, uh, they're paying for veterinary and, and, and other care. Well, besides taking advantage of emotional consumers, you know, see that cute puppy in the window, and having a third-party retain ownership, that's got to raise some ethical questions about who's really responsible or permitted to make important medical decisions on behalf of the animal. It sure does. You know, these contracts, I mean, we have reviewed some of these contracts. Um, you know, there's no one set way to structure them. But at the end of the day, um, if, if you're not owning the animal then there is a definite ethical concern as to whether or not, you know, you're actually liable to provide. Of course, you're going to provide the medical care, you know, because as you, as you mentioned, again, uh, these, these are our family members. You know, you're not going to uh, walk away from an animal that needs medical care. Uh, but at the end of the day, they could, you know, if you miss a payment, of, let's talk, we could talk about the default, you know, fees involved for, you know, defaulting on payments as well. Um, you know, they could come get that animal uh, whenever they want. And, the back-end question is, where's that animal going to go? Back on the legality of who owns a dog, what if the dog has, like, astronomical vet bills and needs surgery that's going to be thousands of dollars and the owner can't pay for it and doesn't pay for it? What's going to happen to the dog? I mean, is it going to be repossessed? Well, uh, hold on. That's, that's a great question. We're going to take a quick break. We're with Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations for the Northeast Region. We're going to find out the answer to that next. Stick around. Here at Animal Radio, we love us some underwriters, and this hour is underwritten by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals Canned Food for Dogs and Cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Well, this song makes me want to go take my dog out to the park right now. A dog that I adopted. I encourage anybody looking for dogs that they adopt dogs. Don't buy that one in the window because, well, might come from a puppy mill. Might be one of those dogs that just has bad behavior because it was raised in a small cage. Or the health might not be paramount because, you know, they're really thinking about the bottom line. Adopt instead of shopping. There's a new trend a disturbing trend. It's called pet leasing. And on the phone with us is Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASBCA Government Relations Department for the Northeast Region. And we're talking about pet leasing right now. Judy, what was your question before the break? Oh, yeah, I wanted to go back on legality of ownership. And if a dog needs, you know, life-saving surgery that's too expensive for the owner to afford, it's just thousands of dollars, and they don't pay for it, they can't pay for it, what happens to the dog? Who's responsible to save its life? Does it get repossessed and what happens then good question great question it's uh it's ultimately depends upon what the term the small print in the contract says uh these companies don't want to repossess an animal what they would rather do typically um they'll have either either the lender itself or a vendor that they hire for collections will work with the the purchaser or the leasee in this case to uh restructure the agreement (laughs) So that maybe you're not paying as much, but the terms are extended. Um, basically, they're going to try to get you into another contract uh, to make it uh, amenable for both sides. In theory, mind you, you know, sure, it's, it's not amen- it's, not, it's not amenable to the the the, the pet uh, owner, the person who's harboring the animal, one way or the other. In my opinion. Yeah, well, they're they're in the business of money, not in the in the business of taking care of animals. Absolutely correct. So there's one company. It's called Wags. So far, they've serviced sixty six thousand pet leases, which is a lot. And they say, and not to us because we called for an interview and they turned us down. They say, and they've turned most people down, by the way, for interviews. They say they have never repossessed a pet ever, which makes me wonder what kind of teeth these loans really have. It's probably true that they've never repossessed an animal because, again, what they'll try to do is they'll work through a collection agency to encourage the purchaser or the leasee to to restructure the deal so that it's more affordable for them again in the short term um, in terms of monthly payments or what have you. But at the end of the day, the deal isn't going to be, they're still going to be paying two to three times the amount, you know, that they originally signed up for paying at retail. These animals go for at retail for anywhere from a thousand to, you know, 2,500, 
$3,500, maybe, you know, even more depending upon the breed. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying uh, three times that amount at the end of term, plus a balloon payment at the end to actually own the animal, that's, that's real money. <laughs> that's, I would say that's a predatory practice. Absolutely. Definitely. And it's not just about leasing, although, you know, I'm dealing with the leasing front and center right now. Um, it's about the nature of the industry in general. Um, this is a money-making industry. This owned property, uh, quote-unquote, uh, is uh, a living and sentient uh, entity um, that is not a chair. It's not a television. Doesn't shouldn't have to be repossessed. Um, and it isn't something that you just forget about after, like, a couple of years and put it to the curb. This is a, a long-time commitment for people. Um, people care deeply about their animals. Um, so to the extent we can point that, there wouldn't be this pressure to sell these animals for all this money if you didn't have this this wholesale uh, high volume breeding environment that is you know kind of coughing all of these animals into these retail systems. The system is broken. It's not readily uh, regulated. It's not regulated in a meaningful way um, by the federal government, USDA APHIS. As a matter of fact, you know USDA APHIS right now is making it very difficult for the public to get information from them regarding the source of these animals. Um, it's very hard if you're looking at making an animal. Uh, you know, obviously, we're uh, suggesting that, as you did, that we adopt some shelters and rescue organizations, um, not you know purchase or retail. But if you did and wanted to find out the source of the animal or the history of the, uh, the breeder uh, that has sent this animal to the pet store, it's very difficult to do. Um, knowledge is key. Knowledge is power. Um, and uh, I encourage... Anybody who has a voice, anybody can put uh, information out there to the public to please inform them about the nature of the industry at large and uh, certainly about these unfortunate predatory practices that uh, retailers are using to help aid and abet um, the industry. Do you think the answer is making pet stores sell or, you know, have dogs only from rescues and shelters? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Um, we are leaning towards uh, supporting that type of environment under certain circumstances. We are generally willing to provide for, I guess, what I'll call the PetSmart model, which is that a a retail environment can provide space um, for um, a not-for-profit shelter or rescue organization for adoptions, but we don't want to turn shelters and rescues into retailers, ultimately. So there's a a a lot of nuance there that I won't get into, but under the right circumstances, um, I think there, there would be a comfort level with that, but it, it has to be done very, very carefully. And you had mentioned PetSmart. There are other stores that do this, so that uh, I'm not saying don't shop at pet stores, because there are pet stores that bring in the local shelters and the local humane societies to adopt great animals out. Yes, absolutely. If you want to learn more, where can we, is there a website? Absolutely, www.aspca.org. Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations, thank you so much for your hard work and for talking with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was definitely my pleasure. Okay. On the way, in just a few minutes, Gideon Kidd, he's a nine-year-old, and he's making it his mission to pet as many dogs as he can. He's, he's pet at least 340 so far, is that I correct? I think so, yes. Amazing. We're going to find <laughs> out. We're going to talk to him. We understand he's pretty witty, and he's coming up next hour right here on Animal Radio. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the real, reliable dog fencing system in the world. Dog trainers, veterinarians, dog lovers, they all recommend Pet Playgrounds to protect your dog. 
Their website's PetPlaygrounds.com. And thank you, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I love my family. But last week, mm, not so much. They blew through our shared data again. Then we switched to Boost and got unlimited gigs, plus 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line for the whole family. <laughs> for a great price. So now I love them all again. We just needed a switch. Switch to Boost and get three lines with unlimited gigs for just $100 a month and 20 gigs of mobile hotspot on each line. Plus get up to three free phones, all on a super reliable, super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Offer ends 831.18. First line's $100 a month. Lines 2 and 3 are $0 a month. Requires one line to port in. Line includes unlimited talk, text, and data. Video streams optimized at up to 480p+. Music at up to 500 kilobits per second. Gaming at up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization during congestion. Three phones require port in and activation on plans $50 or higher. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And if you're just joining us, good timing. Let me say that right now. Coming up this hour, Gideon Kid, the nine-year-old kid who's going around petting as many dogs as he can. I don't know why. We're going to find out why. We're going to find out how many dogs he's pet. How many plans on petting? I understand. Now, I haven't spoken to him, but you actually, you did a pre-interview as you do with all the guests, right? Yes. Uh-huh. He's a pretty witty kid, isn't he? He is. He's very sharp. Yes. I think, he, yes, I think he's going to do a great interview. And, yeah. I mean, what can go wrong there? It's a kid. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? I'm going to tell you about a, a pop superstar who was honored recently with a wax statue, life-size wax statue of himself that the uh, people who were honoring him put in a cat cafe. Because this guy loves cats so much. Oh, okay. Well, that's on the yeah, way. Yeah, like you, Al. I, I'm just wondering if I'll get a cat statue anywhere. Yeah, Maybe we can make one and put it in the local Starbucks here. Uh-huh. I, I learned it only takes four months to make one. So if we start today, ladies, we might. Um, <laughs> and we recruit Joey, of course. Let's see. July, August, September, October. We could have it in there maybe by time for Thanksgiving, Al. Uh, uh, just give me a glob of clay and I'll just whip something up real fast. <laughs> Your kindness is overwhelming, Judy. Uh, you remind me of my wife. Okay. Let's go to the phones, one 405 8405 Let's take one for Dr. Debbie. We have Walter on the phone. Hey, Walter. Hello. How are you doing? What's up? I'm doing good. Well, I have my green iguana is having problems. What's going I on? I got him back in December. A friend of ours had passed away, and... I, in here, I said I would take him, so I did, and he wouldn't eat the first few days I had him in, but I thought it was just, you know, because I switched environments for him. And then, uh, but the, now the last four days, he hasn't eaten a bite, and his right rear leg is turning, the tips of it are brown. Where the oh, rest dear. of it is that okay. right line green. Okay. And I'm just concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is this just at the toes, or is that extending up into the upper part of the, the foot or the thigh? Well, it was his toes, and on one of his toes, it's going all the way up, but on the other ones, it's just the end on two of the other ones. This I can tell you right off the bat, that's not sounding good, because um, we do see some problems with... Uh, 
circulation in these guys, and we can get problems where they get infection settled mm-hmm. down into the smaller parts of their body, um, and they can basically slough their toes um, in many cases. So I would be really concerned that we have some kind of potential infectious process in that leg, and I would certainly want to get this baby examined. Um, and you know, depending on uh, what your vet is in the area can do for you, I would certainly start with some lab work, probably get some antibiotics going, and if he's not been eating, we may need to even support him a little bit with. Um, you know, getting some food and some nutrition in them, either by fluid means or even just assisted feedings. Uh, now, you said you've had him since December? Right. And he's been eating up until this point? Well, like I said, the first few days that I got him, he didn't, but I just figured it was, you know, acclimation. And then, you know, but the last, it's been now the fourth day now that he hasn't eaten anything. Uh, yesterday, I got him to eat a piece of strawberry out of my hand, out of my fingers, but that's all he's had that I can tell. You know, I mean, I keep giving him fresh food every morning, but it just mm-hmm. he doesn't bother with it. But he is drinking. I put a uh, little little green beans and put it in his water because that's, I read that on the Internet. And so he is drinking water, but he's just not eating anything, you know. Yeah. And I'd, I'd have to say that, you know, environment and how we um, provide for these guys is so important. Um, reptiles in some environments, especially like where I'm at in the desert, it can be really hard sometimes to, to raise uh, reptiles in a really uh, good, healthy environment because we have to deal with humidity problems. And, you know, green guanas are from native, from you know, Central and South America, so they're used to some very high humidity. So in many cases, um, when we're having some health issues with them, I'll, I'm happy if he's drinking, but I'll even do some... Uh, warm water soaks to help uh, not only with just moisture and hydration, but also to kind of stimulate them to, to poop, um, and then that helps to stimulate their digestive tract and help with appetite as well. So that might be one other short-term strategy, but I really am fearful for what's going on in the, this little guy's leg and that we need to move pretty fast to, to see what's going on there. Um, now, did, did you say anything about what his face or his head is looking like, if he has any changes there? No, everything is fine. He's the bright lime green that he's supposed to be, uh, all that is at one toe and the two ends of the other toes on the back right leg. Yeah. He has been messing. He has, you know, but I don't know what he's eating. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and also, I mentioned the humidity before, but, you know, sometimes these guys, when they're not shedding effectively, they'll get like little retained bits of uh, scale on their, their toes, and that can cause a constriction and just kind of cause a loss of blood flow to those distal parts of their body. And so that alone can even cause some problems. So um, I definitely think we're going to need to get a, a reptile veterinarian in, in your area involved so that we can get your, your baby on the mend. And, you know, this is, you know, I think this is a great call because... Because it does point out that, you know, there are, these little guys have all sorts of medical problems, too. So dogs, cats, you know, we're commonly trained, take them to the vet. But it is a, certainly a great idea if you have reptiles, especially one that takes a commitment of 10 years and plus, like a green iguana, to see that veterinarian regularly because it really can help make sure you're getting everything right at home, that we could pick up these problems, maybe if they're starting to develop in the early days, and uh, try to address that right head on. So... I hope that's of some help and encourages you, Walter, that there's something we need to do for this baby, and let's get him taken care of. I will get it done. Thanks for your call, 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pet. Tired of handling those stinky puppy pads? Sure you are. The Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals ways to keep your home clean and odor-free. Messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. Do your pads do that? 
Their website's BrilliantPad.com. And thank you, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you, well, you probably know, if you're a regular listener, I'm not introducing you. But if you're a brand new listener, please meet to my left, Dogfather Joey Villani. He's dressed uh, in the black suit. Here I am. And the greased back hair. It's looking good. Looking good. Greased back hair? Come on now. <laughs> well, it's, there is some anyway. something in your hair, right? I mean, it's some kind of... Yeah, uh, there's always product in there. Because um, you're you know, a groomer. That just, sound, that just don't sound right. <laughs> anyway, so this is what I want to talk about because I think people are confusing me um, because I've, I've got a email and I want to clarify something. Uh-oh. And I know we've spoken, well, we've spoken on the show about products and getting rid of fleas and I've... You know, said in a pinch, degrease is like Dawn dish detergent, yep. um, you know, will drop the exoskeleton of the flea and they'll die. Yep. Well, I had a, um, <laughs> I had an email from, from a woman. She said that that's the best shampoo that she's ever used. And, um, I want to make it very clear. It's not something that should be used on a regular basis. Yeah. Wouldn't um, that uh, on, remove on all the that. oils? Well, remove all the oils, and and to, to be quite honest with you, um, if the long term, um, not even Dawn dish detergent knows how safe that is. You know, this is a quick fix. This is something that you go in there, and you solve the problem, and then you go back to your normal everyday ways. Okay. Now, one thing, in pet shampoos, there's there's differences between people and pet shampoos as far as the acidity goes and the alkaline value. That's number one. Okay, when you put dish detergent or decreases in the mix, it throws everything out the window. So before you start damaging not only your pet's coat, hurting their skin, or possibly maybe causing, you know, long-term problems, this is a quick fix. It's, it's to solve a problem and then go back to your normal everyday pet shampoo and conditioners. And you always want to follow up with a conditioner. Do you know why? Why? Can anyone tell me why? Uh, okay. Because I don't always do that in the shower. Sometimes I'll just use the shampoo. When you shampoo, <laughs> you change you change the ions to negative. When you condition, you turn it back to positive. So oh. that's a lot of times when you just wash your hair and you get a lot of static. That's the reason why. Oh. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to put it back to where it needs <laughs> to go. So that's why you do it that way. I, frankly, I didn't know that pet shampoos had pet conditioners like human shampoos. I mean, you can same, buy them in the yes, same thing. Yes, they do. Now, you, could the same, you buy them the same way. Now, I know there's going to be people up in arms, and they're going to say because certain old wives' tales were hard-coated dogs don't get conditioner. That is not true. It depends on the type of conditions that you use. Read the label. There's certain types of conditioners, just like you have dry hair. Um, or, or oily hair. Well, the same thing with pets. They got hard coat, soft coat, you know, dry, medium, whatever. I remember I, I volunteered once for a rescue, actually for several months. And my job was to bathe the dogs on Friday because people would come to see them over the weekend. And okay. I this was in, in a woman's home who fostered several dogs. So I almost, I was out of one kind of shampoo, a dog shampoo. And this was, you know, in her bathtub. So I almost grabbed some um, of her shampoo. And she, I thought she was going to hit the roof because you can't use human shampoos on dogs. And I think it had something to do with the pH value. But I don't really understand what is the big sin in that. 
to be quite honest with you, it all depends because a lot of the human shampoos now are neutral. Like you have John Paul Pet, um, who's now in the pet industry. And um, from what I was told, because I actually did some work with them, their human shampoos have a neutral pH um, balance, which can be used on you know your four-legged friends and basically almost the same product. Um, but the worst shampoo that you could probably use on a dog is baby shampoo because the pH is so far the other way. What's going to happen? Probably nothing. You may have some skin irritations in an extreme case. You may dry out the um, coat a little bit. Um, you know, by tomorrow, you'll be fine because we don't wash our pets every single day. And if you do, you're probably a nut. Um, <laughs> well, it's the truth. So, yeah. I mean, you're, you're really not going to, you're not going to see really the damage that it will do. But if you use it on a regular basis, if you were a nut, you did dry, wash your pet every day. Yeah, you, you, you're going to know some drying out of the skin and coat. Okay. If you want to talk to Joey Volani right now, toll free 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, this is Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. You know, we had our big staff party last week, and everyone brought their animals. Did you see my new pet playgrounds fence? I did. How did you get that up so fast? Pretty cool. And you know I'm not good at putting things together. This was pretty <laughs> easy. But I decided to order it now because I could get the animal radio discount. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. that, yeah, that's you. <laughs> I'm pretty frugal. And, of course, I put in the coupon code animal radio, and it came with a 10% discount off my 200 linear feet. You can do the same, too. And now that the party's over, you can dismantle it and go ahead and put it up at your home. And that's the good thing is that if you ever move, you can take it with you. Yeah, I didn't have to use any cement to put it in the ground. No, and you didn't have to dig any holes either. But don't let that fool you. It's a strong fence. And it has a dig guard so your dog can't dig underneath it. So I think you get it. I'm sold on these guys. Pet Playgrounds, not only an underwriter of Animal Radio, but they just make an incredible product that we're proud to talk about. And use. If you want to learn more, visit PetPlaygrounds.com. And don't forget the promo code ANIMALRADIO. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Judy, you're a dog walker, a pet sitter and a dog walker. You walk lots of dogs. Lots of dogs every day. Yeah, as soon as you're done here, you're out and you're <laughs> you're gone all day. It's it's been a great business for you, but it I imagine been. that there's harrowing experiences. And I want to ask you: Have you ever been walking a dog, and uh, another dog passes and lunges at the dog that's walking that you're walking? 
that lunges after my dog or my dog lunges after them? Either one. Both. Both. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yes before you even finish the questions. I've had almost every case scenario out walking dogs. And when I'm there at the house getting the dog, the dog is very friendly, you know, and runs around the yard. And if other dogs walk by, it's very friendly. But the minute I get out there and put that dog on the leash, different story. And I don't understand. Well, let's find out about it. How the dog can change. Joining us right now is Dr. Wailani Sung. She is one of 74 board-certified veterinary behaviorists in the United States. She, in fact, is currently the only veterinary-certified and clinical veterinary behaviorist in the state of Washington. And she joins us right now. Hello, doctor. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for inviting me to join your show. So I understand that what Judy was talking about is leash aggression. What is that exactly? Well, in my mind, uh, leash aggression specifically refers to the dog being really reactive when the, when the leash is on them. So when I say reactive, we're talking about barking and lunging and potentially even escalating to more aggression towards other dogs or other people. What causes something like this? Well, since we you know, classify it as leash aggression, we know one of the triggers is being on leash, right? Okay. And typically, in my mind, it only occurs when the dog is on leash, and when the leash is off, this behavior should not occur. Are there certain breeds that do this more than others? You know, unfortunately, no. I think that uh, it can happen to all breeds. I mean, I've seen them in, like, five-pound chihuahuas, <laughs> up to 150-pound, like, St. Bernard's and Great Danes. Um, but, yeah, any breed can have leash aggression. It just depends on what's the underlying motivator for that dog to be reactive like that. Mm. Is there any equipment that I can use to help me in these cases? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that depending on the size of your dog, when I have, um, you know, usually when the dog is 20 to 30 pounds or under, it's much easier to restrain them on leash. But if your dog is much bigger, I tend to use a head collar, uh, Uh which gives you Uh control of their head, right? So it's really hard for them to pull and pull you down. I actually have owners that that has happened to. So with the head collar, they can't get the momentum to pull you forward. When they lunge forward, the pressure of the head collar pulls their heads to the side. And it's the same concept we use on large animals, such as horses and cattle, right? So if I had a really big dog, maybe like 50 pounds and over, I would consider doing a head collar a harness and a double-ended leash because I attach one end to the head collar, the other end to the harness. So I have two points on them that I can, you know, gives me 50% control of their upper part of their body. Wow. You know, while I enjoy walking with my dog, it gives me a little bit of exercise. The dog loves it. My dog likes to meet other dogs, you know, do the, the, the sniffing and the smelling. Do you have any tips for meeting other dogs? If I have a dog with uh, leash aggression and meeting another dog or just a meeting another dog in general? With leash aggression. Yeah, so unfortunately in those cases, I would tend to have people avoid that. If you feel, you feel like your dog can be friendly and meet other dogs, then we would want to be in an environment where we can take the leash off or have enough slack. And sometimes it's kind of weird. Sometimes if the dog has a leash on, but there's enough slack in the leash that mm-hmm. they're not feeling the pressure from the collar, then sometimes they are much calmer and they can successfully meet other dogs. But I would definitely choose an area where I can have a lot of slack on my leash and also maybe an area that I can potentially take the leash off. Granted, I would only do that if you have good verbal control over your dog and be able to recall your dog back to you. What if my dog doesn't have leash aggression? Is there a certain way that my dog should be meeting other dogs? 
Sure. What I tend to do is I usually slow down when I get within two or three feet of another dog. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I usually call out to the dog owner and say, hey, is your dog friendly? To make sure that their dog is comfortable. And I would always evaluate the dog's body language, right? I look at the dog and see, does it look nervous? Does it look like it's eager to meet my dog? Head forward, you know, tail medium, height or elevated. And when I let them meet, I let them sniff each other, like maybe two seconds maximum. And then... I would call them off and let them, you know, if they're not naturally moving on their own, I'll just call my dog and take a step back and give the dog, both dogs, a break, make sure they can check each other out at a distance. And if they seem like they want to sniff again, then we will approach again. We'll take another step closer and let them sniff again. Mm. So if I need help with a leash-aggressive dog, is there someone, someone or somewhere I can turn to? Sure. I mean, there are many solutions available. Um, You can try to work with your dog on doing a massive amount of counter conditioning by having, you know, a lot of treats or something your dog is really willing to work for. Every time they see the dog, if you can get their attention focused on you, you can reward the dog for not being reactive. Um, If you need more help beyond that, you can certainly engage the services of a certified trainer that has experience dealing with this problem. You know, we want to deal with this problem in a positive manner, right? Uh, Above that, we have, you know, uh, certified applied animal behaviorists, and these are people that have advanced degrees in animal behavior, so they either have a master's or a Ph.D. in animal behavior, or you can contact someone like me who is a uh, board-certified veterinary behaviorist. We are veterinarians that have advanced training. We've been through residency and completed certification um, that we can help you and your dog with their specific problems. Since there's so few veterinary behaviorists or board-certified, how do we find one? Is there a website? Sure. DACVB.org. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Dr. Weilani Sung, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We're going to head back to the phones toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 next. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Alfa Romeo plans to add a new supercar to its lineup by 2022. It's expected to go head-to-head with car companies like Porsche and McLaren. It's called the 8C. The 8C will have a carbon fiber monocoque chassis, which is integrated into the vehicle's body and will have a twin-turbocharged mid-engine. It will have more than 700 horsepower and a 0-60 to mile-an-hour time of under 3 seconds. To see the best deals on cars, go to ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. My mom wants a grandson, so I gave her one. Kind of. (laughs) Meet Xander, a rescue dog who thinks he's a lion. Sometimes Xander gets messy when mom takes him for an adventure, and that's where the bark bath comes in. Specially designed nozzles get beneath the fur for a deep clean. It's faster than a traditional bath, which leaves time for the important things, like watching a sunset. The Bark Bath from Bissell. The faster, easier, less messy way to bathe your dog. Visit GetBarkBath.com to learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Sharp, the electronics maker, they've got this hot new product set to go on the market next month. But as of right now, you will only see it on store shelves in Japan. 
then again, we do have the internet, so maybe you can figure out how to get one that way. But it's a smart toilet for cats that can automatically measure their urine data as well as the weight of the cat to help them keep track of the cat's health. It'll also alert you to any abnormality that might be detected when they use this special potty. But don't run to the computer yet because you might be searching for cat toilet or something like that. <laughs> Search Sharp Pet Care Monitor. I guess they're not officially calling this a toilet or a cat potty, so uh, that's what you need to search, Sharp Pet Care Monitor. It'll go on sale on July 30th for $226. And here's how it works. It measures your cat's weight, and then when they use it, it also measures the urine volume, plus how often they go, the length of time that they spend on this cat toilet, and then all of that data is analyzed together. And if there is anything that's off, Maybe a cat spending an unusual amount of time on it or the amount of urine being abnormally large or small. You would then be alerted through a cell phone app. So you're thinking, hey, that's great, but I I have three cats. In that case, for all of our multi-cat homes, uh, Hal, uh, in that case, there is a sensor for identifying each cat. Wow. And it's available with uh, with this unit and can be used in combination with the smart toilet to keep tabs on the health of up to three cats. But for someone like you, Hal, with what, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. how many cats now? Uh, 15, yeah. 20. You'd have to, 15, you'd have to buy five <laughs> units because you can only use three at the most. And I thought this was interesting. I guess the reason that they're, you know, they're based in Japan, Sharp is, but it's now estimated there are nine and a half million cats in japan and the big thing about that is that now cats outnumber dogs in japan there's only 8.9 million dogs and this is the first time that this has happened there woohoo cat power (laughs) yeah all right have you heard of dogs but it used to be called dog parker never heard of it really no this is this is going to be you're in on something the ground floor here of something new and wonderful It's about to expand to more than a dozen cities this year. There have actually been cities all over the world fighting to get this company to come to their town. The idea for Dog Spot actually began in Brooklyn, New York a few years ago. It pretty much makes sidewalk sanctuaries for dogs who might otherwise, as you see in big cities, those dogs will be stranded at the entrance of a business where dogs are not allowed to go inside, right? Mm -hmm. They're kind of tied up outside. Yeah, and sometimes stolen. This is pretty cool. Yes. Absolutely. But the technology-enabled dog houses that Dog Park offers serve as a really safe, legal, and simple alternative to tethering or leaving dogs outside on the sidewalk. In these dog spot houses, there's heat and air conditioning, so it doesn't matter the weather. They also have automatic sanitizing UV lights and an in-app puppy cam. So while you're doing your shopping or eating your dinner... And you want to take your dog there with you. Well, the dog, I love traveling with dogs. So, I mean, if they get to go for a car ride in the backseat, then that's wonderful. Among the cities that will be adding these dog spot sanctuaries within this year, uh, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Boston, San Jose, Orlando, Jersey City, Charleston, South Carolina, and several others. The expansion follows a pilot that they did in Brooklyn. And it boasted a 50-location network that was built on partnerships with the local businesses. These had to be businesses that were really um, committed to becoming more dog-friendly. The data showed after they studied all this that consumer behavior changed 
radically with Dog Spot. I kept calling it Dog Park. It's Dog Spot, okay? Okay. So what happened was specifically that users switched where they shopped in favor of stores that had a Dog Spot nearby because the pet parents felt less rushed while they were shopping than they did when they had to tie up their dog outside. So it's really a win-win for everyone, a pretty cool system. And it's good in theory. It means not only will dogs not be uh, tied up outside of establishments, but they won't be left in cars, hot cars. They'll be, right. yeah. So look for one at a Starbucks near you, I imagine. <laughs> Very In a big city, yeah. yeah. Pop music star Ed Sheeran, I love him. He is such a pet lover, animal lover, but especially a cat lover. And this month, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum in London they were going to put in a statue, of a wax statue, of course, of, of Ed in their museum there. But they kind of twisted it up. They did something special. They unveiled a wax model of Ed Sheeran, the British musician, at Lady Dinah's Cat Emporium, this big cat cafe in London. Mm-hmm. It was uh, their special tribute to Ed, the animal lover. The statue was then moved to the museum last week. After Wax Ed had that long week to hang out with all of the cool cats at the cafe. Pretty special, huh? Do the cats end up, like, chewing on the wax? Yeah, um, that couldn't be statue? good. <laughs> scratching it, you know, clawing it like a scratching post? You know, that's a good point. But it only takes, I thought this was pretty quick, four months to make one of those wax statues. Only four from months. Like, yeah. But, I mean, that's going, like, from the mold to putting in the, the tiny hair transplants and things like this. And this really does look like Ed Sheeran. Amazing. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news and offbeat stuff here anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Much thanks to our underwriters. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Helen Brown. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com. Thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. Line one. Hi, Max. How are you doing? Hi, it's Mac, M-A-C. Oh, Mac, how are you doing today? Wonderful, thank you. Where are you? Uh, Tampa, Florida. Wonderful Tampa, Florida. Now, are you listening on WSRQ or XM? Uh, XM. On XM. Okay. What's going on with your pets today? What kind of pets do you have? Well, I've got two birds, one cockatiel and one lovebird. Hmm. And they seem to be loving the wooden play toys they have and the wooden cage that I've got them in. They seem to be chewing that as opposed to their cuddle bone or or Mm. any other thing to keep their beak sharp. Hmm. I wonder if this is normal. Well, yeah. As far as um, four birds, they will pretty much chew on anything given the opportunity. And and I would be a little cautious if they are in a wood cage. It's probably not my first choice because of the durability component because they, they are going to chew on that. Um, it's in their immediate environment. And it's given them an outlet, but it may not be the most secure because of that chewing. <laughs> so um, I would definitely go with a, like a non-painted uh, galvanized steel and make sure you stick with that, something like that. Um, but the actual process of chewing wood isn't necessarily you know detrimental we just try to direct that in another way uh what do you got have these guys eating uh just regular bird field by hearts a bird seed um product right okay because um for a lot of birds um 
that are fed seed diets um, were actually led to believe by pet stores that that's the right diet for birds. And it's actually very deficient in nutrients. Um, so I like to see trying to get birds over onto a pelleted diet. And uh, have you ever seen those at the pet store? No, I have not. Okay. Pelleted diets kind of look like um, kind of like a tutti-frutti um, collars. Um, it's basically a processed food that is has all of the nutrients that these guys need. But when you put it right next to a dish that where they have seed, they're not really interested in it, and birds will always go to the seed first. Um, so um, that's definitely my preference for birds is to go to a pelleted diet, and it takes a lot of work to get them switched over. Okay. Do they spend much time outside of the cage? Um, I have them out of the cage about uh, once a week for about an hour, two hours a time. Okay, because, um, you know, the more activity, the more interaction they have, then also that t- kind of takes away some of that um, that chewing and destructive tendency. Um, if they're out kind of socializing, vocalizing when you're around, um, then that helps to keep them mentally stimulated and, you know, not so uh, bored and, and kind of chewing their surroundings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then so do, yeah, do you do any kind of uh, any supplements, any vitamins, anything like that? No. No, as a matter of fact, someone told me that the reason they're chewing the wood is they're missing vitamins. Well, it sounds strange to me, but... Well, you know, maybe in a roundabout way. Um, I'm not really a huge fan on giving vitamins to birds. I I try to correct the diet first. Um, But, um, you know, I think keeping them engaged, entertained, and then maybe making them work for their food. And there's actually a process that we call um, the foraging technique in birds. And it's basically kind of retraining birds to not eat out of seed cups, but to pick off the bottom of the cage. And we can kind of train them over to eating things like um, pelleted foods. And it can be, um, you know, good for them nutritionally. And it's a little bit more uh, enriching for them. uh, So they're not, uh, you know, sitting there getting the food just poured to them. They actually have to work for it. Okay. So, so yeah, I try that. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you for the call, Mac. This is Dr. Debbie at one 405 8405 Thanks, Doc. We've been getting a lot of calls that aren't for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. They've been actually, when is Gideon coming on the air? Gideon He's Kid. He's cute. He is a cute little kid, nine-year-old kid who's going around petting every dog that he can and, and putting pictures of the dogs up on his Twitter feed. He's even got a website called IPetThatDog.com. Good for him. Yeah. He's coming up at the end of the show, and that's just a few minutes away right here on Animal Radio. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6 is still the place to save money as you travel down the highway. Or, for you Californians, the freeway. Whether you're on a cross-country trek on Interstate 10 or a fun jaunt up State Route 1, a.k.a. the 10 or the PCH, there's probably one of our more than 1,400 locations right down the road. Or, for Californians, just over the hill. But it's rush hour, so I'd take the canyon. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animals. 
You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, hi, Gideon. What? Hi, how are you? Good. Do you have animals around you right now? Um, let's see. Not right now. But I have one dog, three cats, two gerbils, one Venus flytrap. Holy moly. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't know Gideon, Gideon has been traveling around his local area, which is, you live in, uh, is it Iowa? Um, I live in Cedar Falls. Okay. And you've been petting every dog you can find around there, huh? Yep. Now, I got to ask you, what makes you want to do this? Because I love dogs and I want to show the public that dogs are these amazing creatures. They certainly are, aren't they? Uh-huh. So you take a picture every time... Or your mom takes a picture of you every time you pet a dog? Yep. And she posts it on your Twitter feed, huh? Yep. And my website. And your website. And how big is your Twitter feed right now? Do you know how many followers you have? I All I have to say is over 90,000. Holy wow. moly. So how wow. many dogs have you pet so far? 361. Wow. Boy, you must have a lot of dogs in your town. Uh-huh. <laughs> And how many do you plan to, uh, what's your goal? A million. A million dogs. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, Tell me the process. So when you go up to a dog, what's the first thing that you do? Maybe you can tell me because I'd like to learn how to pet dogs. Um, First, I ask the caregiver, can I pet your dog? Then if they say yes, um, I go up to the dog, put my palm, the hand, well, I put my hand straight out under their nose, and then they snip it, and if they growl or back away or stuff like that, um, um, then the dog does not want to be a pet. But if it comes up to you and um, sniffs it and then comes up to you, um, then you can start petting the dog. How many dogs have decided they just don't want to be petted? I don't know. Only like... Um, a couple. A couple. Okay, not very many. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're good at this. <laughs> Thanks. And no dogs have bitten you yet, right? Um, no. Good. <laughs> good. Nipped, but not bit. Nipped. Well, maybe they were just tasting you because you smelled so good. They just wanted to taste you. You <laughs> yeah. think? So, now, do you pull over cars, or do you, or do you pull over people that are walking their dog? Do you drive around? Uh, how do you oh, find them? I drive around and then park when we see a dog. Get out. It's um the people that are like if they see us it's kind of like weird like what is this kid doing? <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. So that's a lot of dogs. How do you know if you've already pet that dog before? Can you remember all oh, the dogs you've petted? Um no. Do you think you might have oh, pet sure a dog you can. a couple of times by accident? Yeah, um <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, it was like a pug that we pet twice. Louie, yeah, that's a name, Louie. Louie, okay. Louie the pug. Louie the pug we pet twice. Mo twice on the website because we didn't um, see him because he got a haircut. Oh. When he was just at the groomers. Oh. And so um, <laughs> we didn't recognize him at all. That was pretty sly of him, huh? To get a yep. haircut and get a double double pet. Yeah, he got his picture on there twice. Yep. 
So uh, now, Walter, who's your chihuahua, right? What? You're, no. Who, who's He's your... not a chihuahua. Oh, what is he? But I know you like chihuahuas, right? That's your favorite dog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, his name is Walter, and he's um, I know he's part beagle. Oh, okay. He he might be he's part husky, but the rest is he's kind of like a mutt. Okay. And what's his name? Walter. 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 Is he jealous of you petting all these dogs? Do you think? No, he doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> what does he do all the time? Um, sleep. He sleeps all the time, just like me. As soon as I'm done here, I go, I take a nap. So how are you going to pet more dogs? Are you going to have to go out to other cities, or are people going to be bringing dogs to you? Where are you going to meet all these new dogs? Um, a few times people have, like, been, like, um, um, like some of my mom's friends, they have dogs that will, like, bring dogs here. That's happened a couple of times. Um, sometimes we go to places to meet other dogs. Yeah. You're probably going to have to travel the country to meet a million dogs. You may have to do a tour. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm very excited. Will you keep us posted? I'm going to call you back in about, uh, how about six months, half a year, and find out how you're doing. Is that okay? Okay, Gideon Kid. If you want to visit his website, it is www.ivepetthatdog.com. What's your Twitter feed? Do you know? Um, I pet that dog. That's pretty simple, easy to remember, and of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. And if you live in Cedar Falls, Iowa, or nearby, check out Gideon. Go by and see him with your dog. Thanks, Gideon. Welcome. Have a great day. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Kids are so cute. Oh, how adorable is that? It is time for us to get on out of here. Thanks for coming out and playing with us today. Remember, Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, and Mini Schnauzers are great Kindle books for you to pick up and learn how to be your dog's best friend. They're a Kindle book available over at Amazon, or you can head on over to animalradio.pet and select the As Heard on Animal Radio button, and you'll see everything that was on today's show. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll see you guys tonight because Gideon and I are going to get something to eat right now. How cool is that? This is Animal Radio Network.